0: Ordinarily, an accumulation by the trustee would be treated as an accretion to the trust fund, so i.e. the capital of the trust fund, and then the trustee would wear the tax at the highest marginal rate on that accumulation. So for what it's worth, the maximum amount of income tax has been paid on the accumulated income. Ordinarily that becomes part of the trust fund and then there'll be a separate clause in the trustee which tells the trustee if it would like to make a distribution of the trust fund itself, how it would do that, you know, which beneficiaries are eligible and so on. Where the commissioner is unsure about which particular entity should be receiving
1: the assessment, he just issues an assessment to everyone and then it usually comes to the table. If it was assessed to the corporate trustee, they'd pay tax on the full gross gain. $100,000 with no discount. The highest individual marginal tax rate.
0: You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm.
2: Welcome to episode 409 of Tax Talks. This is Hyda Robson, and thank you to DocuSign for sponsoring this episode. When we talk about trust distributions, there's almost always the mention that something could go wrong and then the trustee needs to get assessed. For example, the distributions go to somebody who can't be a beneficiary per the trust deed. For example, the deed has excluded foreign beneficiaries to avoid extra transfer duty and land tax, but the trustee declares a foreign beneficiary presently entitled. Then There clearly went something wrong with the distribution or a non-resident or somebody with a legal disability, usually a minor, is presently entitled to income, trust income. Or there is no default beneficiary and the trustee didn't distribute the income before 30th of June. Or the distribution resolution was faulty in some way. Maybe it wasn't dated, it wasn't signed, it didn't state the name of the trust or the name of the beneficiary. Something went wrong. And whenever something like this goes wrong, then the trustee gets assessed. And so the question is, what does that actually look like? This is the question to Bradley Murphy and Darren Casserell of Murphy Techs in Sydney. We always say, yeah, if it doesn't get distributed or or the distribution resolution is faulty in some way or so, yeah, then we just assess the trustee but what does it actually mean to assess the trustee? So the first question is, when the trustee gets assessed, can the trustee claim deductions? I think the answer is no, but can you confirm?
0: Generally no. There's numerous ways a trustee can be assessed and usually it's by choice or by default. Okay. So it depends on what's in the each trustee for a start around what the trustee can and can't do. And then, whether or not the trustees actually exercised a power under the deed to say accumulate or it's forgotten to do something like distribute income. Then we look at the, the assessment provisions to say, is it section 98? Is it section 99? Is it section 99A? Or is there a reimbursement arrangement and is it section 100A? But the idea that the trustees being assessed, being assessed on the net income of the trust that hasn't been distributed. So generally that is a process that's net of any deductions that have already been made at the trust level so whatever gets imputed to the trustee for assessment purposes the trustee's generally got no deductions of its own you know that is incurred specifically in relation to that income
2: yes and i actually just realized sorry that it's a very fundamental thing i just realized it's probably blatantly obvious to everybody else i just realized there are actually many ways the trustee can be assessed it's a, by default, if as you said, if there is no distribution resolution, B, it can be an active distribution that it is decided we don't want to hit any beneficiary with the income. It all gets assessed to the trustee. But the trustee can also get assessed if the beneficiary is a minor or if the beneficiary is a foreign resident or if we have Section 100A. And that is it, correct? Are these the five scenarios where a trustee would get assessed or is there a myriad of other options where the trustee could get assessed?
0: Well, I mean, that probably covers the field without going too too much into it, but I think that's right. Distribution to beneficiaries under a legal disability or slash minors. You know, there's some exceptions around wills and bankruptcy and so on, but they're more legislative switches that the commissioner can rely on to, you know, give or trustees of deceased estates, you know, access to individual, you know, marginal rate, con- you know, tax-free thresholds and things like that. So yeah, I would tend to agree that- um, These are
2: the five main ones.
0: Yeah, the, the starting point is the trustee, i.e. what can the trustee do? And then the second question is, has it done any of those things or is it in default of those? And then you look at the legislative triggers on distributions to minors and non-resident beneficiaries.
2: And when we say the trustee usually can't claim deductions, of course, you can already claim the deductions within the trust. So if you have trust income and then the trust has expenses, then of course the income that you distribute, um, that of course already includes expenses. And But then also in addition, if you assess the trustee because the beneficiary is a minor or is a foreign resident, then those two can actually lodge their own tax return, include that income, claim a tax credit for the tax that the trustee has already paid, and then they can claim additional expenses if they have incurred those, correct?
0: Yes. And don't forget under trust law, like trustees are usually indemnified or reimbursed for their expenses anyway, so you know, they may not have a claim or even if they did, it's an assessable recoupment, so it's a non, probably a non-starting point for the trustees.
2: If the trustee is a company, they get assessed as a company. So they would lodge a company tax return, correct? And if the trustee is an individual, then of course they get assessed as an individual and the income, the trust income that is assessed to them is then also subject to Medicare, correct? Correct. So the the trust income either goes into a CTR or it goes into an ITR. Yes, correct. So let's say we do assess the income to the trustee. How do we actually book that in the trust? So... We book it just like we book any other distribution, correct? We basically debit retained income and then credit the trustee loan account rather than the beneficiary loan account, correct?
0: And, um, can I just go back to the other question on trustees assessed? I think it's actually, you know, if it's something where there's a beneficiary that's under a legal disability or there's no present entitlement to income, I think in the actual trust return itself, you can make that disclosure and then the the assessment will just fall to the trustee. Just from a practical point of view, that's a different sort of scenario that we face. When the you know if the commissioner has decided to have an audit or a review, and then he's identified a potential failing in say the resolutions or something, and says, "Well, hang on, I think there's a potential issue here," then he he may raise assessments against. You know the corporate trustee under its own TFN, and you know or the individual trustees under their own TFN. But I think the mechanism for at least some of the um, trustee assessments in uh, contained within the trust return itself, and that's where the trustee then would populate its own identifier to make sure that it's it all aligns in the ATO system. So, whilst that's right, the corporate. And the individuals under their own identifying numbers would file a return to accept the trustee assessment. I think there's just an extra layer there to say that yeah, we can pick some of this stuff up in the in the tax return, especially if it's by choice, you know, of the trustee.
2: If I may take a step aside, so for example, when you have a partnership return, you list all the partners with their TFN, mm-hmm. but and then which who gets what income. But then of course the partners all need to include that partnership income in their individual tax return, or, or if the partner is a company, then in their company tax return, are you saying when the trustee gets assessed and that's the only income of the trustee, the trustee actually doesn't need to do a tax return, all that is already dealt with in the trust tax return? That's not what you are saying, correct?
0: The same mechanism that we're talking it says exactly the same me- so the the trust itself Will file a tax return, and as part of that return, it will identify that there's no beneficiary presently entitled to of income, and then in that box, the trustee will identify itself as the recipient of that income, and then so when the when the trustee files its tax return, then the ATO can see how it all lines
2: exactly. Yeah, it's the same system like uh, with a normal beneficiary or with a partnership tax return. The tax return of the entity already shows who gets the income, but then the recipient of that income must include it in their own ITR or CTR. Yeah. Good. Perfect. So that means when in the actual zero accounts of the trust, if the trustee gets assessed, we basically book that like any other distribution. If it doesn't get paid out straight away, we basically just debit retained earnings and credit the loan account to that beneficiary. And then when the distribution actually gets paid out, we then book out that loan account again. It basically just gets booked like that, correct?
0: I think from an accounting point of view, because the trustees hasn't made a distribution, then it either goes to a, a reserve account in the corpus of the balance sheet, or as you say, maybe retained earnings. But it'd be highly unlikely to see retained earnings in a set of trust accounts just because of the Flow through nature, so I would expect to see some kind of equity account, whether it's a reserve or undistributed income or something um, like that. So the trustee would know, as they come to a later year of income, that tax has been paid already on that amount. You know, it can then make the distribution, which is is key. I know it sounds odd to sort of have the trustee pay tax in one year and then potentially distribute the cash in a subsequent year, but There's all sorts of mechanisms in the tax act to make sure that there's no foul play, you know, in terms of a trustee paying tax at a lower rate than maybe a non-resident beneficiary. So there's that's why you have the rules around the gross up for the capital gain so that the trustee gets no discount, because if he decided to pay out to a (laughs) a foreign resident beneficiary, and the trust you can see the circumstances that's being protected, trustee pays a discount. Capital gains tax on the, on the discount capital gains, Sorry, then the next year makes the full distribution to a non-resident beneficiary. He's just avoided twenty three and a half percent tax, right? So that's why under the streaming rules, the trustees get all the gross up to, but essentially make equalise the position just between that and what the you know the beneficiaries are. If there was a resident beneficiary, the the only way a trustee would pay the tax would be if they're a minor or something like that, and they were entitled to to the capital distribution.
2: Two things. One is, yes, you basically, when the trustee gets assessed, you, sorry, I'm coming back to the bookkeeping question, just to come back to the way it is book. Yes, on the credit side, you park it somewhere, whether you call that undistributed income or whether you call that corpus or whether you call that the loan account to the trustee or doesn't really matter but at the same time to book it on the credit side you also have to book it on the debit side and i think the debit side has to be retained earnings because you need to do something with the profit otherwise it feeds into retained earnings and as you said a, a trust can't have retained earnings because all income gets distributed hence you need to do something with the profit so i do think it i do think that you debit retained earnings when you book the uh, assessment to the trustee Do you agree?
1: We tend to agree. Yeah, just double check that with our other accountant in our team. But I think that's right. That's how we would say it treated.
2: Now, I have a different question, but it feeds into this question. And that is, now, before I ask my question and Darren answers, here's a quick word from our sponsor, DocuSign.
0: Last year, our accounting firm was hacked. Okay, I'm going to admit it. My password was password. I thought about going back to old school paperwork. But then I heard about DocuSign. It has the highest global security standards with round the clock activity tracking keeping digital agreements confidential. So now we're on DocuSign and no one's cracking my password and no it's not 1234. Sign up for your free trial at docusign.com.au. Next time, DocuSign.
2: Let's say you have $100,000 that are um, that are assessed to the trustee and so we have it in this undistributed income account and now in the following year, the trust actually distributes that income, but it distributes it to somebody else. I, you are allowed to do that, correct? You're allowed to distribute income that was assessed to the trustee to somebody else, or is that not allowed?
0: So let's yeah. say $100,000 came in, and the only eligible beneficiary that year was a minor. So the trustee gets assessed on the full hundred grand.
2: Let's even say they didn't. They don't have a default beneficiary. And they didn't make a distribution resolution, so there was nothing, hence the uh, trustee got assessed. It was a company, so they paid 25% tax, so of the um, 100,000, 75,000 is sitting in undistributed income. This 75,000 can now be distributed to anybody without any tax implication, or oh, that's the next question. The first one is, can it be distributed to anybody? I guess you probably will point back to the deed, correct? You will probably say that depends on what the deed says, correct?
0: Yeah. absolutely. Let's say they just chose to accumulate, you know, the income. Then usually most deeds say what accumulations are and how they're divided, you know, between income or capital beneficiaries, whether or not they're held on sub trusts, and yeah, you know. so quite a, actually a complex thing to do for the trustee. But each answer would be determined by first looking at the trust deed.
2: Yeah, the trust deed, yes. And if the trust deed allows to distribute accumulated income, however, the trustee sees right, then you could distribute this accumulated income to somebody else. And then the question is, what is the tax implication for that person? Would they have a so-called CGT event? I think it's E4, which means in a unit trust, you decrease your cost base. But in a discretionary trust, that CGT event shoots into the void. Is that how it works?
0: Potentially, how it would work would, you know, a very, very general level here. And let's just take a, you know, a standard trustee with a discretionary trust. Ordinarily, an accumulation by the trustee would be treated as an accretion to the trust fund. So, i.e., the capital of the trust fund, and then the trustee would wear the tax at the highest marginal rate on that accumulation. So, for what it's worth, the maximum amount of income tax has been paid on the accumulated income. Ordinarily, that becomes part of the trust fund, and then there'll be a separate clause in the trust deed, which tells the trustee um, if it would like to make a distribution of the trust fund itself, then what you know how it would do that. You know which beneficiaries are eligible and so on. Now, I don't think that is the same as sort of your later e-events, E5, 6, 7 and 8, where you're getting beneficiaries specifically entitled to assets of the trust or those type of CGT events. But I think in ordinary course, because that accumulation has already been subject to income tax, it would be very hard then to have it retaxed because of the, you know, if we're talking about capital gains tax, you've got the anti-overlap rules to say has another provision has the income been assessed under basically income tax purposes, for example? So then you would sort of work your way through the deed and then the relevant aspects of the legislation.
2: And I actually just realised the problem. If we assess it to a corporate trustee and we only pay 25% of tax on it, which we would, correct? If the trustee is a company, mm. we only paid 25% on the income, correct?
1: No, it'd still be 47%, the highest individual marginal tax rate. Right.
2: Oh, I see. It's always forty-seven percent, even if the trustee is a company.
1: Yeah, correct. Yeah. It flows back to the highest individual tax rate, not the company tax rate.
2: Okay, good. Yep. Yeah, that, that yep. makes sense then, because I was yep. thinking otherwise.
1: Otherwise you would have a, I'd be accumulating all the QA all, you. all your profits. <laughs> yes,
2: and then and then distribute it to somebody else. Yeah. So that means you pay forty seven percent and then you can distribute that income to anybody you want and they don't have to pay tax again on it because it has already been taxed. That's what you're saying, correct? Yep, correct. Just to confirm, the 50% CGT discount doesn't apply to foreign residents and it doesn't apply to foreign trusts, and it also doesn't apply to the corporate trustee if the trustee is assessed, correct? Or can the trustee claim the 50% CGT discount if he's assessed?
1: Yeah, so we step through the 50% discount. So effectively from May 2012, non-residents were no longer entitled to the 50% CGT discount. So effectively to get that 50% discount, the the beneficiary of an Australian trust needs to be an Australian resident beneficiary of that trust. And this is where we've got that mismatch where even if Australian resident beneficiary gets a distribution from a foreign trust, there's no 50% CGT discount because it falls under 99B land. That means that because it's a foreign trust, the trust itself does not get that 50% discount. So it's a bit of a disaster for Australian resident beneficiaries getting distributions from a foreign trust because in that same scenario, they would get the discount if they received it from an Australian trust.
2: But an an individual resident would receive the... uh, Discount from a foreign asset from a non-tap, correct? So if they own an asset overseas directly, they do get the 50% CGT discount if they're hoarded for at least 10, 12 months. 12 months. Yep, yeah, correct. And then the other question is: you said resident beneficiary, but it has to be an individual resident beneficiary for the uh, resident trust to be able to pass on the 50% CGT discount. If it's a corporate beneficiary, then no discount.
1: No discount. That's right. If it's corporate beneficiary, they'd pay the corporate tax rate of between 25 to 30%, probably 30%.
2: And so now coming back to the original question, if the corporate trustee gets assessed, let's say the capital gain is 100,000, do they pay 47% of tax on the 100,000 or do they pay 47% on the 50,000 because they can claim the 50% CGT discount? 40, 47%. Yeah, yeah 47% we have established that but do they pay 47% on the 100,000 or the 50,000 or not sure
1: the 100,000 with no discount otherwise Oh really it's still no point cuz you know they'd be a the better tax outcome anyway so yeah they if it was assessed to the corporate trustee they'd pay tax on the full gross gain $100,000 with no no discount
2: okay good so that means it can be really Forgetting the trust resolution to distribute the income can be really expensive if you had a big cap- capital gain in the trust in that year.
1: Yeah, correct.
2: Assessment of the trustee is straightforward if you just have one trustee. But if you have several trustees, so if you have an Australian resident individual, a foreign individual, an Australian company and, an, and a foreign company who gets assessed, you know, is that just divided by four or how does that work?
0: They are all in it together, already? <laughs> joint and several, and it's to the maximum amount. Yeah.
2: I see, but so who has to put the income into their tax return? So the Australian resident has to lodge a tax return and the Australian company has to lodge a tax return. Do, so? Do they each put 25% of the income into their return? Because the foreign individual might possibly not do a tax return and the foreign company also might possibly not do a tax return.
0: Or not sure. So it would be a very unusual hmm. circumstance to have a combination of individuals and corporates acting jointly as four trustees. Normally, what you would see is if there was a variety of entities that wanted to participate in, you know, controlling the trust, it would be via a single corporate trustee, in which their interests then are reflected quarterly. So you may have company A acting as the trustee of the australian trust and then you'll have the individuals and the other entities participate in that entity what we do see a lot of in practice is several different people acting as trustee because yeah, you know, it may be a foreign trust with an individual protector in in say the us but the beneficiaries are in australia and so to have the australian resident trust there might be two individuals one foreign one domestic acting as trustee um, but i think the way it generally works is where the commissioner is unsure about which particular entity should be receiving the assessment he just issues an assessment to everyone at full to- at full total odds and then usually come to the table so under his you know approach with alternative assessments then I think that's practically how it would play out seems a little unfair that you know <laughs> you have four assessments for the whole amount but if there's any level of uncertainty about which of the trustees because the trustees obviously uh, they've got their obligations under the deed etc cetera, etc cetera, so it really should be for them to work out if they've chosen to accumulate who picks up the tax who who picks up the tax
2: so that really means I only have one trustee to avoid this scenario.
0: Sometimes it's impossible. Yeah, I mean, it, we, we see it domestically with you know, multiple parties, you know, coming together to try and have like a unit trust arrangement. So they have their percentage of units holdings reflected in the percentage of ownership of the the trustee company. That's very common to sort of to, to do that. But having a, a independent mix of entities all acting as trustee for the trust is quite unique. I think.
2: Yes, I know. I I agree. It it was more of the extreme example to filter out the concept behind it, whether it's everybody gets the full amount or whether everybody just gets their share no matter what situation the other trustees are in. And so your answer is basically, if in doubt, everybody gets the full amount. That's basically what you're saying, correct?
0: That's right. I think because co trustees are under the deed usually joint and severally liable for the whole amount debts of the trust, like to debts that, that come their way. So that's, to me, that, that principle says maximum assessment to everyone.
2: Bradley Murphy and Dan Castrell of Murphy Tax in Sydney. So that was the assessment of the trustee. In the next episode, episode 410, and the last one for this year, Bradley and Darren will go through six questions with you about foreign trusts and foreign companies. They will talk about transferer trusts, convict foreign income, the concept of CFC versus CMAC, how a bear trust is not affected by Section 99B, and a few other things. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to DocuSign for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.